0: Everyone. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Uh Remember, um, soon it's going to be 2000... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, 2024. And so in 2024, there's probably at least 52 Sundays. So we got a new calendar. So you can already now sign up. Also, if you're like, hey, I can't wait, the 31st, you can sign up to uh, make dinner also. Um... Yes, uh, I think I'll say it now. Maybe I'll say it one more time. Uh, I was super encouraged by how you were encouraged this year about how you said, hey, it was great. We could use our gifts and abilities in the fellowship. Um, we felt apart, and that's just brilliant because I think that's why you're here. Uh, I've been thinking, praying, reflecting, how can we encourage you even more next year? And so I was thinking about saying something that normally I think is really annoying when people say, uh, because I'm not very good at it myself, uh, is that would you consider praying and thinking about how would you like to grow next year spiritually? Um, I think sometimes that's... uh, For me, it's sometimes hard to quantify and like maybe God's going to do something totally different. But I think maybe it would be good just to... um, just to think about it and then be praying about that and and then I what I would really like you to do is that you would share that with someone you share it with a good friend uh, and then through the year you can encourage one another in that process and uh, um, because then every time you meet you can start there how's that going? okay and then in that way we can disciple one another encourage one another with how we are growing and how God is using us. So I think maybe that would be a good way that we could do that together. Um, so that's just an encouragement. I think I will say it again in the new year uh, or just around New Year's as well. Uh, I have not figured it out yet myself, so I still have to <laughs> pray about it and, and think about how do I want to grow uh, in the next year. Um, we are in a... Uh, sermon series in Zechariah so if I can find you can find it in your Bible or in your app we are now in chapter 13 today it 'd be uh, two through nine and it's the uh, headline is strike the shepherd uh, as I was preparing for this week um there was a few things that I was reminded about um Sometimes the storytelling in the, old time, in the old times, in the Old Testament, goes in circles. We have two creation stories where we have one big circle. We go zoom in in the next circle to see how creation happens. We are not necessarily used to that in the Western world, or at least I am not. I'm used to you go from one end to the other. That's why maybe the Bible also can be confusing sometimes because it's not that it doesn't work that way. It's in the Old Testament by categories uh, created up. When we went through Judges many t- many years ago, now we see the same kind of circles. Unfortunately, it was a circle downwards. That uh, God delivers His people. God, people rebelled. God delivers His people. God, people, God's people rebelled, and we saw these circles of a downward spiral. <clears throat> we see it sometimes in Proverbs where one things will be mentioned. Then the opposite will be mentioned. And then the one thing will be mentioned again, um, and we uh, we see that sometimes in the in the way that even with the Jewish people, uh, as as the as the story as a whole, that. Uh, Kind of the same pattern that we see in judges actually goes through the whole history. There will be a time of repentance towards God, and then there will be a time of prospering and of falling away. God will then save again. people will fall again away again. And so we, we kind of see that, that pattern. We kind of see that a lot in the different prophetic literature as well. There's a call of strong repentance often, and then a call of judgment, and then a call of hope. Then a call of repentance, then a call of judgment, and then a call of hope. We've kind of seen that as well in Zechariah. We've seen that God calls his people to repentance. Come and repent and follow me. I'll be your God." But then God also says, I am going to judge you. I will provide for you a savior, but I am going to judge you. I will provide for you, uh, but you will be judged. I will deliver you and be your God and uh, make sure nothing happens to you. But I'll still strike the shepherd. You will pierce me. You will see me. And today it's going to be even more somber. As God's going to say, I'll destroy a lot of you. So, we're going to talk about the kindness and the severity of God today. God's very kind, very loving, slow to anger, abounding in love. But if you reject or if we reject God's provision in His Son Jesus, we will be judged severely and get what we actually deserve so last time we ended up with God uh, saying that after you have pierced me him uh, then you will see I'll open up the sa- fountain of grace that you'll be able to repent and we talked about there's nobody can repent unless God moves by his spirit and grace and mercy nobody can see who God is nobody can see who Jesus is if the spirit does not work and move then they cannot come to Jesus and to God so then we uh, we get to where we are uh, in the text and I'm in the wrong place uh, we start with 13.2 uh, and then we we'll read through the rest of the chapter so that will be 13.2 through 9 oh uh, sorry I forgot to tell you these things most of you know. Zechariah is prophesying in this, this time. Uh, God has actually already judged his people because they uh, rebelled and worshipped false gods so they were taken into captivity for 70 years. You can see on. They were over there in three different, different places. Uh, the northern kingdom Israel is taken out first. Judah lasts a little bit longer. Then they're taken out. Then they come back in different waves. Uh, from having a g- great procession land Davidic kingdom Solomon's kingdom now they have very very little room and they are not even their own country they are a province under under uh, under S- uh, Cyrus the Med uh, and have this little area I found another map this place it's uh, so you can see compared to what they had before this big land now they have this very small a region uh, on which they are actually not their sovereign at this point. Uh, we are uh, almost into the New Testament. Well, it's going to be 500 years before Jesus comes, but we're all the way over here down in the bottom, a contemporary just before Haggai prophesies also about rebuilding of the temple, rebuilding of the Jerusalem, this, that God will restore and it's going to be this beautiful uh, place to be uh, that's the hope God will provide uh, that and so we're all the way over there contemporary Nehemiah and Ezra that also comes back from the exile alright let's read the text for today and comments and, uh, if you have questions about where we are just come talk to me and we can make it just fit this was just a fast uh, walk through <coughs> On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I'll cut off the names of the idols of the land so that they shall be remembered no more. And also I will remove from the land the prophets and the spirit of uncleanliness. And if anyone again prophesies, says his father and his mother who bore him will say to him, you shall not live you speak lies in the name of the Lord and his father and mother who bore him shall pierce him through when he prophesies. On that day, every prophet will be ashamed of his vision and he prophesies. He will not put on a hairy cloak in order to deceive, but will say, I am no prophet. I am a worker of the soil. For a man sold me in my youth And if one asks him, what are these wounds on your back? He will say, the wounds I've received in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, awake against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of Hopes. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. I'll turn my hands against these little ones in the whole land, declares the Lord. Two thirds shall, oh, sorry. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two thirds shall be cut off and perish. One third shall be left alive. And I will put this third through the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested they will call upon my name and i will answer them i will say they are my people and they will say they the lord is my god <clears throat> It sounds great total removal of idols false spirit or false prophecy oh but it sounds very violent the way it's going to be done we have some echoes of what Jesus says whoever loves uh, children mothers of fathers more, more than me is not worthy of me here it's even more that they are supposed to kill them if they prophesy this wrongly but this is what I meant about how it goes in circles because this was already in the law Um, it's a lot longer but it's just so you have a reference Uh, most of 13 talks about what what God's gonna do and that he will test his people to see whether they will listen to false prophets uh, he will send them and say that they have uh, had dreams. They they have different things, and they will see if they can deceive the people to go away to worship uh, other gods. God is God in this section is very clear that those people should be put to death. Should be put to death. That they should not be allowed to live, and that no under no under no. Circumstances, should his people follow these people. They should be rooted out, immediately killed, and not be a part of the people. But that did not happen. Instead, it spread, and, and this became a real danger. And it, actually, this is what happens to the people when they fall away. So God already had instituted this a long time ago that there should be no tolerance for false prophecy that made up prophecies should not be listened to. And especially when people would say, come and worship this other God. They should have been cut off and they should not even have been allowed to speak or be part of the people. They should have been taken away. And so... This is kind of a oh, restatement of that already. God would say, like, as I will clean out the land, I, this will actually be fulfilled. My law will be fulfilled. What I told your ancestor, ancestors, or the people long ago, this will actually happen as the land will be cleansed. We talked about last week how there was provision from cleansing and uh, restoration so that this uh, the the weakest would be like the family of David here now we're talking about a ceremonial uh cleansing of the land and removal of all those unceremon the uncleanliness of of the false prophecies of the false dreamers of the people that uh, promoted themselves and would dress up as we remember maybe John the Baptist and Elijah, they were dressed up in this special clothing and then they would try to deceive people with words that did not come from God but were words that they had made up themselves even to try to speak the opposite of what God said when they would say peace, peace when God says there is no peace we see it in the kings and in in the prophets when when, when I cannot remember his name, this one prophet the king doesn't want to listen to because he always prophesies bad things, but he's the only one who prophesies truth. The rest are full of the spirit of lies. <clears throat> and at that day, that people will try to hide themselves. That they say, "Oh, I've never been a prophet. I just worked in the field, got my wounds from." Working in the fields, I didn't make, I didn't, this is not a false religious uh, wounds that I did to my fake God uh, when I wanted my fake God to speak, as you have in the battle of Carmel, Elijah against the false prophets, when they pierced themselves to make their God listen. This is a good example of why God says not to follow, uh, follow false gods, because God doesn't tell us to pierce ourselves so He would listen. God says, you will pierce me. That is a way that you can see that I actually listen to you. I have not asked you to sacrifice children. I have not asked you to cut yourself in any way. All that is demonic, and I never asked you to do that. And then we come to this... Uh, special uh, s- uh, special place again where where God calls out awake oh sword against my shepherd against the man who stands next to me declares the Lord of hosts so it seems to also go back exactly to when he said um, they shall look on me when they look on me on him whom they have pierced they shall mourn for him this is a strange back and forth and again here god calls on the sword against his shepherd as we've gone through the book of Zechariah, the shepherd motif come from isaiah isaiah and a and promises this is about the good shepherd that will come a good shepherd is, as we have searched for the book, as we believe, as the New Testament writers, that this is Jesus. So God says, now, awake, O sword, and strike the shepherd, the one who is next to me. This is like this picture of like, if we think about God saying this, is like, at this point, they're next to one another. However that works in the Trinity, God, Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, one God, Strike the shepherd, the one who's next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. As he has revealed himself through the whole time, God is the Lord of heaven and earth, the Lord of heaven's armies. He says, let this happen. But that means you're again striking yourself or your son, your one and only son. The good shepherd is the one you're striking strike the shepherd and the shepherd will be and the sheep will be shabbered. I will strike I will turn my hands against the little ones. <clears throat> And he continues and writes, in the whole land declares the Lord, two thirds shall be cut off and perish; one third shall be left. I will put the third through the fire, refine them as silver, test them as gold is tested, they will call upon my name, I' will answer them and say, "They are my people, and they will say, "The Lord is my God." This is not so easy passage, maybe. This is God's word saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna wipe up two thirds of the people." But well, we've seen it in we've seen it in Zechariah. There's good news, bad news, good news, bad news, good news, bad news, good news, bad news. But God always being the same, just drawing them back to faithfulness to Him, drawing them back to being His people. As I was here, I was reminded about when. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he gets this prophecy from Daniel saying you're gonna turn into a um, animal and live on the sh- live in the woods. But at some point, your mind's gonna be changed and you will be restored. There's, there's, there's still this great hope where the God's people will will we'll see who God is we'll see that he's provided through the Good Shepherd that that there is good news that there is grace and mercy to be found in who God is but as I said in the beginning as we also have another slide is that it is only through Jesus Christ, He is the only name. And if you reject Him, there will be no mercy. As we look to the scripture that's up there, Matthew, Mark, Mark has Mark has exact same wording uh, as this they are not in doubt. So Jesus speaking this out as he's on his way to be betrayed. um, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Jesus takes the scripture and says, this is what's going to happen now. God will strike me and you guys will scatter. So Gaga or Matthew, Mark, Jesus takes this take this scripture from this place to say this is now going to happen that God will strike the shepherd. As he had said in the previous uh previous chapters said, he, you, you will look on the one whom you have pierced. You are all going to run away, including you, Peter, although you say you will not. And he was not the only one who said he wouldn't. They all said he w- they wouldn't run away, but they did. I think what we maybe miss sometimes is the last part of the sentence because there's still, even in this, there is still hope. Even in the sh- striking of the shepherd, in the piercing of the sh- God, there is still hope because Jesus says, I will raise up and go before you to Galilee. There is hope in the redemption of what Jesus is going to do that if they would believe they will be restored to God and they will not be judged but Jesus was left alone he was pierced on the cross the disciples flee Jesus then provides for them and for us cleansing from sin and the cleansing of all that unrighteousness that on I can't say that word uh, the un- ceremony uncleanliness is wiped away through Jesus and makes it possible for them to be restored to God the Messiah did what they thought he would do but in a very different way was able to cle- to cleanse them and to re connect them to god here god the lord of hosts orchestrated all this but death was not the end because Jesus even says here I will rise again and go before you to Galilee so yes Jesus was struck as the Shepherd but he would rise again he was tried and convicted for saying that he was God the Jewish people who should have listened to Jesus in the province of God did not listen and they did not believe that he was Messiah he was rightly convicted because it was true they said it was blasphemy but Jesus just said what was true he died he was pierced but he rose again death could not hold Jesus because there was no sin in him he chose to die for other people's sins and for the cleaning of that unrighteousness and unholiness of idol worship Actually the rejection of God and the Savior that He had sent. Jesus did so that he might come to God. So in the sen- in that sense Jesus does that and the spirit opened up their eyes for the disciples. It doesn't happen very fast. <laughs> Jesus has to continue to come to them and say hey it's me and they're all afraid but he opens up their eyes by grace convicts them of the sin and righteousness and judgment and then they believed now, they did not get much power until they got the Holy Spirit but all these people that had looked for the Messiah that thought that he was a Messiah and that had this am- amazingly difficult thing happened that their Messiah was killed and all hope was gone but he rose again and said that he was really truly their hope and they could be restored to God through him but as you remember in the in the New Testament there's not that many people most people reject Jesus as Messiah, as the true shepherd. And this is about this passage of the two-thirds. No one in life will survive rejecting Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior if they do that to the end. Then there is nothing but just judgment and condemnation. That goes for whatever ethnicity we have. That goes for all people. God talks about dealing with his own people who stubbornly, willingly will will not turn to Jesus. They will not see, they will not obey, and they will be destroyed because salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. Peter, after he gets the Holy Spirit, stands up as they are being accused by healing a man in Acts 4. And he says that they didn't heal him, but Jesus did. Um, He preaches one of these, or not preaches, but he tells this one sermon, he says... Let it be known to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, but this man is standing before you will. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by the builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That goes for God's people as well. God has provided abundantly for everyone who will believe in Jesus Christ. We see it. His disciples, although it's difficult for them, believe. A lot of people will not believe. We have the same today. Popular humanism and other things strange religious unitarianism it does not matter you just have to be very devout then you will be saved it is very much contradicting what Peter says here and what Jesus says himself I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me Peter here clearly states that there is no way and no other name that can save except the name of Jesus Christ. And honestly, it is really not that surprising. It has been the same throughout the whole whole Bible. We see God is not afraid to judge. He's not out to like... Some people have this which I think is so st- strong. I said it uh, weird. I said it so many times how God is so patient and so kind also in the Old Testament, but we see that he is not afraid. We see Adam and Eve, he by grace gives them life and sends them out so they won't live forever live with sin. But then everything goes crazy. The brothers can start killing each other. We have Noah. God kills everyone except one family. I don't think God just like great joy does that, but he does it. Then we have <coughs> Sodom and Gomorrah. We have Egypt. We have in the judgment in the judges. We have, God is not afraid to judge. We have the, uh, what is it called? We have the, the, we have the uh, serpents in the desert. We have the opening of the earth. We we have God and God, God, again and again judging His people when they choose to rebel and choose another way. These are all indications that that judgment will come. Right and judge judgment will come. God though provides for us in Jesus Christ. And all who believed that God would send Jesus Christ. Abraham soon my saw my day and he rejoiced greatly. What? you only thirty years. That that Jesus talks about that. There was a hope that Jesus came. The hope is preached in Genesis three to the man and the woman after they are against God that there would come someone to restore all things back to God. The hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, the hope. Is that God saves by providing his own sacrifice for us that whoever will believe can have mercy, be cleansed, and be restored to God. But there is only one name. His name is Jesus Christ. As I just shared my testimony just before, that is why we plead for God to pour out His Spirit so that our friends, our families will see. We ask that by His Holy Spirit, He will have mercy on the people, that they will be able to overcome the stubbornness and rebelliousness to see who Jesus really is, that they will put their hope and faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they will join us in singing and giving praise and glory by the Holy Spirit, worshiping Jesus, that God will be honored and glorified. That is the good news of Christmas. God provides. God comes. God sends his son to die, to rise again, and that he is coming back to make all things new. And that if we walking in that, because oh, this is a scary passage. Well, John says in his in his epistles, he says, "Well, perfect love casts out fear. If and we are in the love of Christ, and we've seen the love of God through Christ in us by the Holy Spirit, we don't need to fear anything because we stand in the clothing of Jesus, and we can worship Him." As Lord God and Savior. the, the Savior that came, the, the 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 shepherd, the good shepherd that was struck, the, the God that was pierced, the one that was told about, that says, I will conquer Satan's sin and death, and I will rescue you. Amen. I thank you for this time I thank you for this time of season of uh, Christmas where well, at least you force us to think about the incarnation like why like why even do such a thing when you are an Almighty holy God, the Lord of all angels, and spoken to being the whole universe, why enter into a broken creation to Feel pain, guilt, and uh, betrayal, and all those things. God, you're an amazing God that not only judges, but you actually provides for us the offering that we need in your Son Jesus. She's thank you for your obedience, your kindness, and love towards the Father and for us. Holy Spirit, thank you for pour, being poured out that we can live this life in faith and we can see who you are, God. We ask that you would do that on us here. Every, every day will we rejoice in the amazingness of who you are. And God, we do really pray for the surrounding areas. We pray for this thing with the bus, and we pray for this area, Lord, that you are using us as lights in the world as you were, Jesus. You asked us to be that light and salt. Pray you would do that as you encourage us by your spirit to live this out. Overwhelm us, Lord, with your mercy and grace and even your severity that we will walk in your kindness and love by your spirit we thank you for provision and pray you help us to worship and honor and praise who you are. Thank you for coming to this world. Thank you for our providing for us. Thank you for opening our eyes and we ask you do it for more to your honor and your grace, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is actually also funny because I picked this one too. Not funny, but this is uh, the author of Hebrews picking up on the same one. And what does he call Jesus? The great shepherd of the sheep. So let's stand and have the benediction from Hebrews. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. Working in you what is well-pleasing in sight through Jesus Christ, to whom we glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Don't run away. There is a lovely dinner. Uh, so, come and join.